The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I am here with my producer, Ricky Herrera. Good Monday morning, Ricky. Good morning, Vic. Happy Memorial Day. Just want to start this show out by giving my thanks to everyone who has served, who gave up their life for a better nation to continue this this great thing that we have and to everyone still serving in the military. I think it's great that we we have a day like this to honor and to remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. Millions and millions of people. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Uh, Memorial Day, as as Ricky said, and as all of you know, uh, it's a federal holiday uh, for honoring and mourning the U.S. military personnel who have died while serving uh, in the United States Armed Forces. Um, so it's a very important uh, holiday, and we're coming to you from Los Angeles, ready to uh, cover some some news headlines and current events. Yeah. Before we start, I just want to say uh, over the weekend, I was uh, listening to some of the speeches at Arlington Memorial that uh, our, our presidents have given in the past. And so powerful, man. Reagan has a an infamous speech. And I listened to Obama's last one. And Obama, he had a line. I'm paraphrasing him here, but the image of our country is reflected by not only the Americans we produce, but by the people we remember. I think he's so right, man, because we, we have to we have to remember that we're not just in a little safe vacuum here. There are people who have actually died in battle. Hey, the Young, ultimate price. Yeah. Ultimate price, man. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, so this whole weekend, um, it's I don't know. It's a. It's just a. I guess it's an interesting weekend. So last uh, this past Friday, I was at the the union rally with the Writers Guild of America being on strike. Dozens of other unions uh, came out in solidarity to support them at a rally in uh, downtown LA uh, at the same time and right in the vicinity of the California Democratic Party's convention. So I was down there. It was really good to see uh, all the different unions that came out, their leaders, a lot of elected officials and uh, community leaders came out to support Writers Guild of America. They just uh, wrapped their fourth week of strike. Of course, they're asking for a better contract, better wages, especially with streaming while studio executives are making high seven-figure salaries. A lot of these writers are barely making ends meet if that. Uh, so that was really good to see. And, uh, you know, I saw I saw some people I know from United Here Local 11, which is the hospitality union that represents about 32,000 uh, members in Southern California and Arizona, union workers that work in hotels, restaurants, universities, convention centers, airports, etc. 
and they too might be going on strike um, soon because their contract is up and uh, they're just not getting much of uh, any kind of a negotiation that's really reasonable. So uh, we'll see. That's, you know, this past weekend was big uh, union weekend. And of course, the California Democratic Party's convention uh, took place in L.A. People came from all over the place, all over California, I should say, to uh, kick off this big convention. It's interesting, man. And it's great to see so many people fighting for what they believe in. It's just woven into the the fabric of this country. And you've dived into this with an interview about Hotel Workers Union before. I forget exactly who you interviewed. Actually, representatives uh, from United Air Local 11 a while back. Yeah. Yeah, they've been on the show before. And I just hate, no matter what, the, the bottom line for companies is is always going to be at the forefront. And, you know, some of these workers don't have a choice. What's happened is with general inflation and now this exaggerated inflation, real estate prices, cost of living, uh, some of them are working, you know, full time, sometimes two jobs and still can't make ends meet. And some of them uh, are making minimum wage and you can't live on minimum wage, uh, anywhere in the US, much less in LA. So it just comes down to, uh, you know, the bare, bare essentials for these people. And yet, you know, the pushback, it's a shameless pushback from the top, from the executives, you know, who are protecting their salaries and their shareholders, essentially. Yeah, because when the bottom gets more, the top just won't have it, man. It's... Well, they'll have it. It's just, it's just instead of having a Bentley and a and a you know Range Rover, they want to have a Bentley, a Range Rover, maybe a Rolls Royce, uh, and a small yacht somewhere. You know, it's just uh, greed. It's greed. It's what it is. I feel like two jobs is just the norm now, man. I think you have some uh, news for us from your friend uh, Elon Musk, right? And the FDA. Yeah. So um, just to dive into a little bit of a tech segment, I've always been a little skeptical uh, of AI and the effect AI can have on the working economy. And I almost feel like this moment in time is almost like an experiment. I feel like we are lab rats in a sense with the way technology will be moving industries forward. And in the literal sense, the FDA just approved Elon Musk has a company uh, called Neuralink. And on um, Thursday, Elon Musk announced that the FDA has approved his company's launch uh, for the first in-human clinical study for a brain chip. These trials will be conducted on actual living human beings. And I just want to talk about like the, the direction of this. Humans are going to constantly want to innovate and uh, invent new things, advanced technology for various reasons. Uh, scientists are going to want to do it mostly from the perspective of, of just scientific breakthroughs. And people like Elon Musk and uh, the corporate, you know, corporate America is going to want to do it for uh, its potential of you know, it's it's income potential. A brain chip could be, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never really thought about it, but it could be for uh, so many, so many different things. It could be for people, uh, let's say, 
you know, are starting to have Alzheimer's or dementia, it could help with their memory. It could uh, just store more information. Uh, it could work as a bank for, so that the usage of other things becomes obsolete. I don't know. I just think that at some point we're going to look back at us using, you know, cell phones and think it was so antiquated. People will be able to somehow activate even more than an earbud. It could be a brain chip. Next thing you know, it's calling or connecting to someone and they're having a conversation and it, it worked, you know, it acts as a mic and, uh, and also a speaker or whatever. I mean, it, it could have, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not so educated about it, but I do see that this is, this is the future. You know, this is the future with anything like this. Of course, there are a lot of things that concern you as to, uh, the potential for this to be used the wrong way, uh, including privacy, including in wars and things like that. So uh, these sorts of things have always been, always been part of the equation whenever we've had uh, technology advancement, scientific advancements. And this is just the next phase. Um, but of course, as we become more and more advanced, the stakes are higher. So I, I do see your question and the validity and the importance of it. So for full disclosure, um, Neuralink is developing this brain implant, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, for medical reasons. It hopes to help paralyze people walk again and cure other uh, neurological ailments. I guess my point is, is that it won't stop there. What I question is the development of this technology and when it starts to affect the human condition, the things that make us human. And I think it's just an interesting topic. And I think this is a monumental step towards that. Right. I think I, I think this is what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying something like this. Is it really medical advancement or is it playing with nature? Exactly. It's a science fiction plot. Right. The topic warrants symposiums and conventions and, and lectures and you know, essays, it's so complex. And one can argue both sides. I know I can. Yeah. So the track Elon Musk is on, I commend him in so many ways. And I also just kind of question a lot of things that he does. Moving on, Vic, I think everyone listening, I think big companies and the LGBTQ plus community and people who don't support that community have been clashing the last few months. Um, Bud Light, for instance, Anheuser-Busch, uh, the parent company, they've been in the headlines the last few months because they supported a social media influencer and it created a lot of backlash. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender uh, influencer, and Bud Light got a lot of heat from it, from, I guess, what you would say from its most uh, loyal customer base. So now Target, the major retailer chain Target, is facing backlash for their stance on the LGBTQ community and supporting it and putting out products. They're actually taking a step back because they've received threats from hate groups. And I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in Target for caving in, for lack of a better term, because let's just call it what it is. These are these are hate groups. These are individuals with hate in their heart who 
for some reason are affected by companies that are supporting living, breathing human beings that are just doing their thing. So I'm a little upset that Target caved in. I'll be a little more specific. They introduced a, a collection this year celebrating Pride Month. And after the company and its employees were targeted by what has been described as kind of these uh, volatile anti-LGTBQ campaigns, Target came out and said has impacted their team, uh, their team members' sense of safety and well-being. Uh, so given the circumstances, they are uh, making adjustments and removing items that have been at the center of the most significant and confrontational behavior. So this announcement by Target uh, comes just days before uh, Pride Month starts. And I think by Target caving in and removing these products, doesn't that empower these hate groups more? Yeah, it does. But let me go back to and address everything you said. <laughs> Every, I, nothing I said makes sense. No, everything you said. I was makes, all makes over sense. the place. No, I mean, I followed you. I think everyone followed you. Uh, I just want to break it down. So I say this often and I'll say it again. The LGBTQ plus movement is for one thing and one thing only. And anyone listening, I hope you think about this. It's the right to be average. The right to be average. <laughs> so anything that's good enough for our heterosexual counterparts is good enough for us. So that's all that this is. You know, we've had a we've had a lot of advancement, a lot of progress in the queer movement the last 15, 20 years. And inevitably there's going to be pushback, right? Whenever there's a movement, the counter movement is even stronger. And I also think that these extreme groups are fringe, but unfortunately, the fringe few are louder, right? They're louder, they're reckless. Um, so their, their threats and such um, are, are sort of very amplified, if you will. In terms of Anheuser Bush, I think it was very audacious in a good way for them to do what they did, just having a, a trans influencer promote for them. Kudos for that. Uh, I'm sure they knew that there was going to be some backlash for that. There has been sort of a targeting uh, transgender uh, people in America. Uh, I think it started during the, uh, the Trump era. Unfortunately, and it's happening all over the place, and you're, this is sort of a continuation of that. One of the things that bothers me is uh, when you know people say, oh, I'm so gay-friendly, <laughs> a term that I really I can't stand. I'm gay-friendly. What does that mean? Would you say that about an ethnic group? I want you to think about this. Replace the f word gay with like a race, or I don't believe in races, but in the conventional sense. Can you say, I am XYZ friendly, but the name of an ethnicity? What does that mean? That, I mean, it's just so insulting. But people say that, but then they go on to say, but as long as they don't do blah, 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 XYZ. In other words, I'm okay if there's like a rainbow towel 
But if it's clothing that's marketed toward trans women, I'm not okay with. So it's all conditional. It's conditional uh, equality that they are for. It's conditional queer friendliness, if you will. Now I've been a I've been a fan of Target. I remember over ten years ago going to Target and I saw like all rainbow stuff all over the place right before Pride, and I thought, wow, Target's come a, a long way. And I want to say I don't know what I don't know. So when they talk about uh, threats and such, we don't really know what that means. I mean, we don't know if it was a bomb threat or if it was specific stores where someone threatened came in and threatened the employees or whatnot. So it's it's hard to really judge that and say, I'm sure as as executives at Target, they have to balance between being loyal to all their customers and not coming off as anti-LGBTQ friendly, but at the same time, of course, the safety of their employees is really important. For now, I want to reserve the benefit of the doubt for Target that they had to do this because the safety was there was eminent threat to the safety and well-being of their employees. Of course, there are times when you are threatened. I've been threatened as a journalist and as an activist. It's never stopped me. So, you know, threat is always going to be there. But this is just sort of you know, I don't want to say growing pains because this has been sort of the, the, the queer movement's been happening since, you know, the late 60s, mid, mid to late 60s. And there's always setbacks. And right now, the the extreme right, the extreme, extremely bigoted people, I'm going to call it what it is, let's get blunt, uh, are sort of lashing out, lashing out. And the easiest target for them uh, is the trans community. So, you know, it's a wait and see. Of course, we we have to also do pushback and say, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to chip away at years of progress that we've made um, and just see how it plays out. You know, and there was also the, the Dodger Stadium uh, uninviting uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence uh, for their pride event, and then they turned around and reinvited them. Uh, and for those of you listening, we haven't mentioned we we keep talking about Pride Month, but June is Pride Month, just so you know. So Pride Month is June, so it's coming up, and you know it kicks off with prides uh, throughout the world. Uh, of course, um, West Hollywood Pride is this weekend. The weekend after is LA Pride, uh, and so on and so forth. San Francisco, New York. Um, also, the first annual uh, or inaugural uh, San Fernando Valley Pride is on the 24th of June. So just keep that in mind. Speaking yeah. of pride, is it pride? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's just really weird to like mention him as you are uh, talking about pride because I, I don't I don't think that he has much pride. Because if you have that much pride, you won't be lying. But uh, you know, George Santos is, uh, I guess, well, he's always in the news. But this time, he's on Jeopardy, right? Yes, our favorite Republican had a inadvertent cameo. The legendary 
legendary Jeopardy player, Ken Jennings, who is now the a Jeopardy host, had an ultimate zinger, like just epic zinger, and George Santos was on the the end of this zinger. And the moment went viral, and we want to play it for you because that's what we do. We like to highlight Mr. Santos on this show. Uh, recent events, eight. Subheads in a piece on this New York rep lied about where he went to college, allegedly swindled a disabled vet whose dog was dying. Matea. Who's George Santos? I don't get to say this very much, but George Santos is correct. <laughs> All right, so everyone, you got your uh, George Santos fill for the day. So anyways, we have an interview coming up next. Vic, before we take a break, do you want to remind everyone about Sam Kabushian? Yeah, so um, uh, you're, you're about to listen to my interview with uh, uh, State Commissioner Sam Kabushian, who's been a longtime uh, public servant and is on uh, Mayor Karen Bass's advisory team. And just, uh, just you know, it didn't talk about unions. I mean, he's a big union organizer and supporter. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to uh, my interview with Sam. The Blunt Post with Vic. California State Commissioner Sam Kabushian has been a longtime public servant, labor union, and community organizer, and was recently chosen to be on LA Mayor Karen Bass's transition team. He's a product of the public school system, having attended LA Valley College, where he was the president of the Associated Student Union. He went on to get his bachelor's degree from Cal State LA and his MBA from Northwestern University. Good morning, uh, Commissioner Sam Kabushian. Uh, thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Good morning, Vic. Uh, all is good. Excellent. Uh, is it okay if I uh, call you Sam going forward? Be my guest. Absolutely. I think that's easy. All right. I appreciate and it. Easy and short. Thank you. So um, let's just get right to it. You, you know, you're a super busy guy. You've been... <clears throat> You're one of the few people handpicked by Mayor Karen Bass to be on her uh, transitional team, uh, and uh, it's still very new. So, how's that going? Uh, that's going very, very good, actually. It's, 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 it's one of those things that I've been involved in many, many similar works you know, on different levels, but uh, this one is very uh, important given the fact that we're going through crises and it's everywhere, uh, not just in our city or state, but it's a national issue, which is the homelessness. So it's going really well. You know, I'm on the you know business development committee. Uh, where, where obviously, it's a, it, we have the team of people. There's over 100 people uh, that are about 100. Uh, I don't know exactly because they added some more from different sectors of the industry as well as community. So uh, we're going through the crisis as we speak, and and our mayor, you know, has tapped our shoulders and there's many great people on the advisory transition board. We're trying to really embrace her, support her, and also encourage uh, civic engagement and civic participation by our community. So we really are looking and encouraging people to get involved with the mayor and obviously, get, you know, get on boards, get on commissions, as well as get a, get a job with the mayor mayor's administration so we're really from all ends we're, we're embracing the mayor's support to uh, make sure that we collectively 
can work together to make our city a great place in the coming. Because it's really at certain crossroads that it's unbearable to even say, but our city's crumbling. So this is one of those things that the transition team is really trying to support. And it's not a one-person job. We all know that. We want to make sure that we individually pitch in our fair share of uh, commitment and our work to make sure that is our city is going to be a better place in the coming years. So that's the really the ultimate decision-making body of advisory. We're helping from all ends. Well, it, it also it shows, I mean, uh, the mayor and your team have uh, really aggressively gone after uh, the the issues, the most pressing items that were on her list when she was campaigning, uh, especially in um, tackling the unhoused in LA County. So uh, yeah, it definitely shows that you've you've just sort of taken the bull by the horn, if you will. Um, I was going to ask you a, a, a question about just general public office, but you know, you did answer one of my questions already partly, which was, uh, you know, what what are you guys working on in the mayor's office currently? What are your priorities? If you want to elaborate a little bit on that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on the business committee that I've chose to be in my engagement with small business owners as as well as bringing business people and policies together for future as well as uh, that's just one section but overall the big picture has been in the news i think daily uh, consistently obviously the mayor is putting her team together meaning their executive uh, you know her executive team together as we go on and every every other day you probably would hear something a press release so and so was added to the dep to be a deputy or to, was added to you know uh, had a new department. But I think the central platform here is simple. I mean, the problem is simple. It's a national issue, which is the homelessness. And uh, Mayor Abbas uh, has done a great job, has locked arms with uh, state, county, uh, you know, uh, government entities, you know, even national, to bring everyone together to solve the issue of homelessness and housing. And, and it's been an epidemic at a certain time where the world has crumbled, especially after what took place with the, with the COVID crisis, uh, you know, it's it's very important that we have a, a solid, firm solution uh, for uh, housing the unhoused, uh, the the homeless who've been, uh, you know, on the streets, and and this is major epidemic crisis, you know, uh, and uh, Mayor Bass and her team has been really focused on that. And that was her, she was campaigning on that. And she's done a great job thus far bringing in, you know, bringing players into the, uh, into the city and into the, you know, organizing the issue of homelessness, the issue of housing, shortage of housing, uh, you know, and, and it's been crazy because of COVID, because of evictions, you know, so many, you know, economically less fortunate families have fallen through the cracks. You know, we've seen, major events rise as as COVID closed in in the early part of 2020. Homelessness was brewing, uh, you know, drug use, mental mental inca- uh, incapacity. You know, it was on the streets. It was in front of our, our eyes. I mean, we witnessed this as, we, as the years dwindled. And this is a major issue that she's trying to tackle, I think. And, and this will bring about the future because... Uh, when we talk about future, we're talking about public safety. We talk about economic development, but you know this is at the center 
we have to solve this one big challenge that is on the table for all Angelinos, not just not just individual, you know, my side of town, your side of town, you know, not in my backyard, not, not that. We're, it's a collective issue. We have to solve it. It's like a big family issue. We have a big family. We have problems and no one's perfect. We got to figure this out. And I think she's done a great job and she's building a good team right now as we talk that's going to tackle this. And although I know individually the transition team members are all are on different committees or subcommittees, but they're collectively working toward one goal, making sure that everything goes step by step and we solve the problems as we as 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 we move forward. Because there is no there is no sort of a substitute for this specific recipe. There is no. And we need to tackle this as we speak. And Mayor Bass has been really focused her entire energy on this, which is very very productive thus far because she's locking in partnership and bringing about all the stakeholders into this. The state has com- made a major commitment. The, you know, the, the counties have made a ma- major commitment to boost as well as uh, finance and, uh, you know, elaborate on bringing about support as well as the national. It's, it's a national issue. Homelessness, you know, uh, mental illness, you know, people on streets, drugs, uh, you know, you name it. And, and there's a lot of victims falling through the cracks. And we need to somehow find solutions to this. We cannot just rubber stamp it. And we know that. You cannot just throw money at problems. You have to actually go down and fix it. So that's sort of been on our agenda. Yeah. And hence the the declaring a national emergency. And as you said, uh, you guys, your team has gotten great support from uh, local, regional, and uh, national levels from uh, council members unanimously voting for her initiatives to LA County Board of Supervisors, the state, and also federal government. Yes, uh, it's always good to have that kind of a that kind of backing. In uh, general, if you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Commissioner Sam Kabushian. Transitioning to uh, talking about. You know, labor unions, uh, Mayor Bass is a, is big on labor union, as are you. You have been a, um, a union organizer in the past. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to say in the last few years, we've seen some, uh, advancement and progress with the labor unions in elections and such. Um, you know, they've done well. Uh, are you hopeful about the future of unions? Oh, absolutely. I am. I am because I think it's very important. You know, I started as a labor union organizer way back when, uh, you know, I, then I, you know, I think that often there's a group of people that would think that it's irrelevant. We talk about labor unions, but I think, look, you know, if you want to have a great society, if you want to have people who are on same level competing competitively and they're installed, have a fair chance at, at earning their wages, According to in, you know, according to the consumer price index, you know, movement and you know, as I said, as I my grandmother we said, life doesn't get cheap; it gets expensive as we live, mm-hmm. anywhere in a part of the world. So in this case, labor unions play a major role, and I think they're central because look, my mother was a, was a union union member way back when with teachers. She was a public school teacher. Uh, you know, she benefited from many things that many many didn't at the time. Because unions were always being uh, sidelined, were being silenced. My mother was was fortunate enough to be a member of a union, LA Teachers Union, and benefit from all that she could because 
she raised three boys. She did her fair share. She paid her taxes. And, you know, she was a good citizen. But imagine if there was no unions. Imagine her retirement, you know, the, the negotiations for her future. And so many things would have been sort of, you know, taken in advantage by the employer because we understand the economies of scale. We understand. But, you know, great societies, great societies and cities are built with equal commitment and participation whether you were, you know, bourgeois class or, you know, you were, you know, you were ruling class or you were just a peasant. But in, the, in our case, it's, it's very important. Unions play central role in development of U.S. I mean, going back in time, too, from, you know, you had the, the international brotherhoods moving products. You had, you know, you know, local carpenters. You had all these unions play central role in building our city, you know, in our, our economies there. Every, every element of their contributions to the development of a world where we're competing to be number one, you need to have skill set. You need to have equal pay, uh, equality, because there's no otherwise. I mean, let's just be frank. I mean, we live in, what, 2023. We've seen enough in developed world, in industrial world, throughout the world and different economies, how they have some succeeded and some have failed. And I'm not even going to talk. So unions are central to our future. I think it's, it's, it's I tell this, my wife is part of the union. Uh, and it's very important because when she goes out to meetings, she's, she's engaged. It brings out so much greatness of talking about individual human capital. Because that's what it is really about. It's about individual human capital and their contributions to the labor force. So this is central. And I think... They will be around for a long time to come because uh, humans have evolved and they know that individually they would be sidelines. They, they will be sidelined or they would be taken for granted. But collectively, you know, they can make their voice heard. So I absolutely think and look what's happening with Starbucks. And I, I know Starbucks been in the news and, and it's very important. And, and I know they're they're great people. But look, everyone gets up at 5 a.m. to you know make a coffee for for you and me, but you have to understand this person also has a family, has someone to care for. So it's the unions, I think, are central to our future. Yeah. Whether you, I mean, it has to change at some point, I mean, technologically, but without unions, I, I don't think we can build great cities, great communities. Yeah, I'm glad you brought Starbucks up because they are, they're one of the ones that have had some advancements and also Amazon. I'm, I'm happy to see some Yes. Uh, movement there. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. You know, the old slogan is true. Work union, live better. True. Um, if you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Commissioner Sam Kabushian. And so speaking of elections and unions and, and such, so, you know, you're no stranger to public office. Uh, you are obviously a, a state of California commissioner, and you ran for LA City Council about 10 years ago. What do you think about holding office in 2023? I mean, you know, it's just, um, so for some people, it's a lot to digest. Just your general perspective on, you know, people who uh, who want to serve the public and, and uh, you know, hold office. I think 
Oh, absolutely. Great question, Vic. I mean, I think I, I kept on thinking about this and I want to make a humor out of it. You know, there's something called serving the public and servicing the public. So it's two different notions. But in 2023, with, you know, advent of technology and social media and, and uh, civic minded participation, and it's challenging, I would say, because the average constituent has awakened. And now that average constituent has direct pipeline to the city hall through the advent of technology, through TikTok, through YouTube, through pe people being individual journalism that are out there and actively participating. Whether it's a it's a it's a it's a central issue, whether it's the increase in DWT prices, whatever the situation may be, I think we are coming at the age of at edge of time that you know the you know ancient. You know, you know, in antiquity, people would have thought differently, you know, because the democracy was compromised of 500 people, you know, in ancient Greece. But in this case is that that sort of democracy, I think, is coming back because now we have tools that you can go out there and, and get on a live and share that with your neighbors. One person can go to an event, but share it with everybody. Someone can can actively engage in engage in a conversation or in a in a in a in a meeting with a, an elected official. Yet share that with thousands and millions of people. I think it's great time to be in public office because no one can be idle. Everyone can can be held accountable. Whether you are the police that going out there doing crazy things and you see in the news they're doing unethical, illegal things. Whether you're the police, because you know no one is. Often people lose their moral compass, and we know that. That's one. If it's your his or she's elected in the office, she can be he can be held accountable because now everything is recorded. Now everything is in the digital world. Nothing is missed. And thankfully, in our democracy, there's no secrets because we have the use of technology and activism. And I think we have awakened a new generation of of leaders as well as activists. Progressives that are out there, you know, are not and are not intimidated by the old guard, by by these, you know, men in tie or women in suits. You know, they're not intimidated. They're out there demanding answers. And we've witnessed this in the past election cycle that if you don't change, we will fail. We have to change and we have to collectively work and be held accountable, I think. Hey, I have three kids, you know, I'm held accountable by my kids. They tell me, you know, you, you said Saturday we're going to the park. How come how come we're not we're at home? So same thing with elected officials, same thing with managers, same thing with organizers, same thing with I don't know, servers, uh, chefs, same thing with journalists. We expect to keep you in high places because we vested our trust. In, in you, like you are, Vic, you're a journalist, you're an investigative journalist. I expect a lot from you because you have chosen that field of work. So same thing with uh, electeds and, and the new wave of uh, electeds that came into office. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to their notion of, of engagement. And I love the fact that they report on everything. They get up there with the TikTok. They get up there with, uh, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, you know, uh, and then one other thing, which a, a, a council member from the other side of the neighborhood the other day was, she was doing something which I thought, cool, City Hall 101. That thrilled my mind. It's like she's saying, she's reporting to her followers, her constituents, like the, there, there's so much, so much out there, especially, you know, in high talk, you know, when you have certain sort of phrases, but average person 
does not know how those phrases are sort of assembled and right. what it means and what they deal with. And she was out there doing the city hall one on one, like for like two minutes, which I thought was thrilling because you're educating your average individual stakeholder in our society how to understand and interpret the work of city hall and, and electeds, you know, resolutions from ordinances, motions. You know what I mean? It's very Even important. Those of us that are, you know, supposedly savvy or been there done that you know sometimes need a refresher or we need to sort of get updated on on newer terms or newer uh procedures and such so i think that's just the it makes so much sense it's such a great idea to not take things for granted and um really take them you know go back to square one let people know what it is that you know politicians elected officials do so yeah i, I do think that's a that's a great idea this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with California State Commissioner Sam Kabushian. I was going to ask you, I, you know, we're barely past the elections, the 2022 November elections. And I was, uh, I was at the gym yesterday and I saw on the TV, it says the road to 2024. And I thought, wow. They don't even give us like six months to rest. We're already talking about uh, 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 2024. But but before we get to that, I want to ask you this: so the the 2022 election, which I think it was it was truly one of the most important elections for LA for LA County, Greater LA. Um, we say that a lot about uh, national elections, but this last one was a big one for um, Los Angeles County. What is, um, you know, what's your perspective or take on where things landed in November? I honestly, I think that in 2022, and obviously we are preparing the midterm elections were very, very important, I think, to all of us, as well as, you know, locally, as well as nationally. And I, I honestly think that I know there's no, there's no, you know, there's no crying in baseball and sort of. I understand all that stuff, but, you know, we are obligated by our sort of social contract or, you know, our constitution. We have to be actively, you know, involving ourselves in in, in campaigns as well as in in elections and, you know, casting our votes. So one of the things that I want to I want to be able to uh, share with you is that, you know, elections are very important to all of us that one thing is especially it doesn't matter which side you're choosing which horse you're betting on or going after doesn't really matter our goal is you know to simply get out there and vote but i think it's important because in my perspective because the world has changed and because we had covid we, we had ukraine we had uh, you know caucus armenia uh, Azerbaijan issue, we have uh, Ukraine issue, we have Middle East, we have COVID, we have earthquakes. I mean, global events are taking place that have, I think, stirred activism in people, you know, and there's so many things that are being sort of hidden from the public for many years. Now that technology has been installed in all of these places, now we see the issue of George Floyd, which is, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd. We see issues from one end, you know, where uh, people being mistreated at factories next door. Uh, we see inequality at workplace. So issues are rising and rising, and elections are going to be central to this because imagine that we need to elect individuals who reconcile their interests and values with our which are our society. 
And I know, you know, uh, I'm a Democrat. Everybody knows that. Uh, but I have almost certain set of rules and values that I abide by. And there's, you know, obviously people have the opposite side of that, which is, I think, is, is also important to all of us. But elections really are the engine and the mechanism. And that's so mechanics of what we have here in the U.S. I think fair elections and, um, and knowing that every vote counts I think it's central, and uh, in addition to that, uh, I wanted to add one other thing, is that we don't have revolutions, you know, nowadays, especially here in the U.S. I know one of my political science professors, which I have good friends, used to say that our revolutions happen, you know, at the polls. So that's the answer to uh, sort of the question. The reason is that we're going to have more actively involved people because the new generation that is out there with, you know, would uh, sort of equipped with the technology and they're going to demand more because they're more educated. They have more access to resources. They have more access to information, which is central to having, you know, engagement and civic participation. So yes, elections are going to get, uh, more, uh, more engaged, uh, more people will vote because now we have absentee voting from homes, the convenience that was brought to us by the COVID. We have more states accepting that. And the distant sort of, the distant, distant democracy is, is at play. We're all actively involved. I remember used to do the whole interview in a, in a, in a studio not too long ago. Now we do this yeah. <laughs> from far away, but yet we still achieve the same sort of consensus or same hypothesis, whatever you want to call it, but it's the same. We're sharing information from a distant yeah. platforms, but yet we're achieving same sort of results. We're sharing information. We're empowering our listeners. We're, we're giving them up-to-date information. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with California State Commissioner Sam Kabushian. Well, thank you for uh, taking time for the interview. Uh, good luck with uh, with uh, team uh, Mayor Bass, and uh, I hope to uh, chat with you again soon. Absolutely, Vic. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, that was my interview with Commissioner Sam Kabushian. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning and giving us uh, all the, the great updates and news from uh, the exciting world of LA City Hall. And uh, we hope to chat with you again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.